What is up, everybody? Welcome into Locked on Tigers. I am your host, Chris Castellani. Anything happen over the weekend? My goodness, a whole lot of news, big-time news uh, coming down the pike for the Detroit Tigers. I'll just jump in by addressing the elephant in the room. Yes, Ron Gardenhire retired over the weekend. On Saturday, him and Alavila called a press conference around 5 p.m. where Gardy announced his retirement. I'm going to talk almost exclusively about that in the second segment. This may be one of those shows where the second segment is actually longer than the first. I don't know if that's ever happened, but I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about Gardy, his tenure here, how it's going to be viewed, and of course, I'll, I'll talk about who I think will, should, could replace him as manager. This is going to be one of the more important moments of Alavila's tenure as GM. And God knows he screwed up a million other things, so maybe he'll finally get the manager right. But we'll talk about that in the second segment. I'm going to start off by talking about the weekend series against the Indians. Tigers played four games. They lost three of them to Cleveland. You know, not, not a single game this year has made me angry. Not a single game has frustrated me really at all, because I, I know what the circumstances are, I know what this team's intentions are, I know uh, where they stand. It's not a good team, I don't expect them to be a good team. The series over the weekend was one of the first that actually frustrated me. For one, it's Cleveland again, again, and it's like, I, I just, I have this this crippling fear that I'm going to be 47 years old and we're going to be going through this again and again and again and again and again, losing to Cleveland all the time, embarrassing themselves against Cleveland all the time, and I know it's a good ball club in Cleveland, it's a good team, but I'm sorry, they, the Cleveland plays their best and the Tigers play their worst when these two teams play each other, it is really unbelievable, but what bothered me about this weekend series in particular was that it was the first time all year that I thought the 2020 version of the Detroit Tigers closely resembled the 2019 version of the Detroit Tigers. I saw a lot of bad at-bats. I saw bad defense. I saw bad game calling behind the plate. I saw poorly executed pitches. I saw bad pitch selection. It was a really ugly series. And yes, you know what? They won. They did win a game. They won on Saturday in the wake of Gardenhire's retirement. And you know what? It was a late inning rally. This team was 0 for 26 when trailing after seven innings. So in that aspect, an impressive victory. But that just shows the randomness of baseball. It felt like they lost every game this weekend. It really did. They were outplayed in almost every single game. It was it was truly ugly. And, you know, look, sometimes you just got to tip your cap. I thought Zach Plesak on Friday was remarkable, and I mean, I don't remember if he was a huge prospect for them, I really don't, but pitches with a ton of confidence, the stuff is great, I, I would really like someone to do a piece, a, a journalist to do a piece on what it is about the Cleveland Indians where they get the absolute best out of most of their starting pitchers that they developed. Because I remember when Mickey Calloway was the pitching coach there, and he was great there for a while, and he left. He went to manage the Mets, and that turned out to be a disaster. But when he left, there were people who said, well, we'll see what this does for the Indians. Mickey Calloway was a, a great pitching coach. Maybe maybe things will change now that he's gone. They haven't missed a beat. If anything, guys have gotten better. I think Clevenger got better. Bieber, for sure, got better. Plesak has, has developed into a, a tremendous pitcher for them as well. I would really like to figure out what it is about the Indians and how they develop starting pitching that makes these guys so good. What what has what is responsible for them turning out to be such lethal pitchers 
at the major league level. To me, I think what it is, besides the fact that I think they get put in the right positions, there's a good defense behind them. They have some really good game callers. Roberto Perez, excellent pitch framer, uh, keeps guys off the base paths. But I think they're just good at having guys play to their strengths. Like, if you got a great slider like Cookie Carrasco, throw it. Don't be afraid to throw it just in two strike counts. Throw it whenever you want. Get ahead with it. That's your pitch. Use it when you need to. But I, I think even more so, they do a good job of getting these guys to develop third and fourth pitches early on in their major league careers. Like, even some of the best pitchers in the world. Verlander, prime example of this. Justin Verlander was fastball, curveball in the early part of his career. It wasn't until several years in when that slider and the changeup came along when he became the kind of pitcher that we, we all know and love today. Obviously, he's Tommy John now, but uh, wish him all the best. That was a really unfortunate break for him. But it seems like these guys in Cleveland, they come to the major leagues, they already, they're already three, four pitches deep in their repertoire. Like, they're already pretty seasoned. You know, I could go on about them forever. I, I really am blown away by, by their incredible ability to develop starting pitching. I will say on Friday we saw what was, I mean, absolutely the best outing so far by Michael Fulmer. He went three scoreless innings, only one hit, one walk, and two strikeouts. You know, there were a lot of people that championed it and said, hey, Fulmer, way to go, buddy. And I was, look, I was happy with the performance, step in the right direction. I still, I, and I'm just watching it, I still think the stuff, it, it, it just doesn't look very explosive. And I, I know uh, even at its best, it will never come close to what it was when he was really dealing here. But I don't know, fastball at 93, but fastball at 93, it looks every bit of 93. You know, Jay Happ is like one of the kings of this, the year he won 20 games. Like, fastballs at 92 can look 97, depending on spin rate and stuff like that. I'm not seeing a lot of explosiveness from Fulmer. I thought he did a better job of strike throwing. Command had been an issue for him in some of his previous starts. So it is a step in the right direction. But much like Mize and Scooball, I think the important thing with all these pitchers is consistency. You know, I think any pitcher can have a good outing every so often. A, a really good pitcher is able to have a good string of four, five, six starts in a row where they're really dealing. I want to see that. Obviously, we won't be able to from Fulmer, but if he's able to have two or three okay starts to end the season, I will change my tune a little bit and say, well, okay, maybe they got a shot with them, but I still have serious, serious doubts. The one ball game this team did win over the weekend was on Saturday, a 5-2 victory over the Indians where they scored four in the bottom of the eighth contributions by Eric Haas, by Daz Cameron, by Isaac Paredes. And I thought Spencer Turnbull pitched one of his better games of the season. Six innings, two earned runs, seven strikeouts, but more importantly, zero walks for Spencer Turnbull. Look, when the guy's throwing strikes, he's legit. He's legit. He's got as high an upside as any pitcher in this division. I really believe that. I think he can be a special talent here. But consistency when it comes to strike throwing will be his undoing unless he's not able to fix it. Now, impressive stuff after getting shut down by McKenzie and Quantrill and uh, Whitgren as well. Phil Matten came in and was uh, was really bad. A third of an inning, three hits, four runs, two walks, and one strikeout. Tigers took advantage of a poor pitcher. And, like, this Indians team, it's a good team, but it seems like their pen, as good as it is, any given night, it seems like they have one weak link. And I think that's why they, they elect to allow their starters to go as deep into games as they do because I'm not sure how completely trusting they are in the bullpen, even though there are guys in the pen who have put up pretty good numbers this year. Sometimes they just look a little bit shaky. 
One thing, too, on Saturday's game, Brian Garcia looked phenomenal. Wow, after struggling and walking three on Friday and Saturday, threw 11 pitches, 11 strikes, and struck out the side, earning his third save of the season. And that's big for a lot of reasons. It's big, obviously, because... You know, you you wanted you want him to lock down a save, but I think that in general, one of the gripes against him, as good as he's been, ERA now at one three five. A lot of people have doubts about him because he doesn't strike out a lot of batters. In fact, in terms of qualified relievers, he has one of the lowest strikeout rates. To see him striking out the side in the bottom of a ninth inning, or I'm sorry, in the top of a ninth inning, a pretty impressive stuff from Brian Garcia. Sunday was a game I don't even really want to talk about. I mean, it ended up being 7-4. to four. They got some runs there late. Miggy hit a two-run home run, but just a bad performance. And Carrasco was wonderful, and I don't mean to take anything away from Carlos Carrasco. Just an incredible comeback story coming back from, from leukemia. He's pitched some great baseball for them, and yesterday was about as good as, dude, like, as good as, like, I've ever seen him. He was amazing, but... I felt like I was just watching last year's team. Really bad at bats. And you know what? You get shut down seven innings by Carlos Carrasco. I mean, especially with a lineup this below average. I've seen worse things can happen. But I just felt like their approaches were nonsense. I, you saw guys getting frozen by fastballs down the middle for strike three. Guys swinging at sliders that bounced five feet in front of home plate. It makes me curious what the approach is at the plate. What are these guys looking for? If you go up there and you work a six-pitch A-B, you take a few balls outside of the zone, and then you end up striking out on a nasty slider, hey, that happens. You know, these guys are good pitchers. But to go up there and see guys who have hit the ball well for this team, Willie Castro, right, swinging at junk, Jamer Candelario taking fastballs down the middle, it's it's an ugly sight, and it reminded me a lot of the type of non-competitive at-bats we saw from this baseball team a year ago. So uh, definitely not a, a pretty sight to behold over the weekend against the Indians. Tigers end up finishing, what, 7-3 and three against the Tribe this season. Or 3-7, and seven, actually. Tribe winning seven of those games. When I get back, no Tigers game tonight. So we're going to talk about the managerial situation. Guardy now gone. Be right back. Can the Guinness Book of World Records give 2020 world's greatest delay of game? Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gives you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash MLB. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash MLB. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. The improved Built Bar is even more deliciouser. 18 amazing flavors, 6 new flavors, 12 other original flavors. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft, 
and easy to chew. And Built Bars are healthy. Built Bar is great for the health conscientious guy or girl. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, great for the keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. And we're back. So Ron Gardenhire retired over the weekend. On Saturday, he made it official, stating health reasons. And, you know, look, I had a lot of pent-up anger and ill will towards Brad Auspice. And you know what? A lot of that hasn't dissipated. I still really don't like him. I think he's a top five worst manager or coach in the history of Detroit sports. I don't know if anyone has ever been worse with the media. I don't know if anyone has ever done less with more. He was a disaster. I don't feel that way about Ron Gardenhire. I think in a way, Gardy made these awful years just a little bit better by being a very cordial guy, being a a true consummate professional, a true gentleman. I really wish him nothing but the best. Now, I think the love affair, especially by the media, is a little bit much. I don't get the whole thank you, Gardy campaign. Like, to me, that's a send-off you give, like, Chuck Daly when he was with the Pistons, right? Like, that's a send-off you give, like, Tom Izzo when he retires. Like, a great coach who not only conducted themselves the right way, but won a lot of games. I like Gardy. I think Gardy's a, a gentleman, a true professional, and I wish him all the best, but... He had a lower winning percentage here than Alan Trammell did. Now, a majority of that is not his fault, but still, I think the love affair at points is a little bit much, but I wish him all the best. A tremendous guy, a good soundbite, good interview. He did, I think he did everything he could here, given a completely thankless, thankless job. Now, as far as where we stand moving forward, who should the Tigers hire? Who Who do I want him to hire? Right up front, the one thing that needs to be acknowledged This is a more appealing job than it was three years ago. Three years ago, everyone saw the writing on the wall. This was a team entering a rebuild that was going to be bad for a long time. And for that reason, I think Gardy was the only manager who really wanted to come here, to be quite honest with you. Now, this is now where we stand in 2020. This is a team that some people, I don't know if I put myself in that camp, but some people believe is a team that's more likely to be on the upswing than they are on the downturn. Like, I think that they do have some pieces here, some interesting pieces that you can work with, both at the major league level and in the farm system. This is going to be a wide-open search, and I think it will probably take a while. I, I think I think Gardy got hired maybe in early December. It wouldn't surprise me if we went even deeper into into the process than that before the Tigers hire the next guy. This is going to be a wide-open search. I've heard a lot of names. I've heard Don Kelly. I've heard Will Venable. I've heard uh, many, Mike Redmond. I mean, every name under the sun. Marcus Thames. A lot of different guys. To me, and this is going to be controversial, but I don't care. My first choice is A.J. Hinch. And I want to dispel some myths regarding what that hire could do to the organization, what it could do for baseball. It is absolutely fair game that A.J. Hinch answer every question thrown his way regarding what happened while he was in Houston with the sign-stealing scandal. Absolutely. And A.J. Hinch will have to answer for the sins he committed against the sport of baseball. 100 million percent. All of those questions are fair game. I do think the people who believe that him being hired here would be some sort of distraction is a bit ridiculous. First of all, 
and this is not just Detroit. It's all major sports teams and all major sports organizations. They have given second, third, and fourth chances to legitimately garbage human beings. And you know what? Sometimes it's guys who made mistakes. Like, let's let's call it for what it is. Miguel Cabrera, personally and professionally, has done a lot of really questionable, even awful things in his personal life. He has. And I love Mickey. But, but you can't act like that didn't happen. And yet, while he was in the midst of that, People championed him, championed him and said he's the, he's the best hitter ever. We love Miggy. Oh, he's a teddy bear. He's a kid at heart. And that's fine. I believe in second chances. I really I have no issue with them doing that. But I also think it's hypocritical to say, absolutely not. I don't want them to hire the, the guy who, who was you know a part of a sign-stealing scandal across baseball. I think that's remarkably hypocritical. The fact is, even if you hate A.J. Hinch, if you hate the Astros, if you hate what they did, it is undeniable that the best manager on the market right now is A.J. Hinch. Bar none. Without a doubt, he's won a World Series. He's made it to the playoffs. He's got experience. He's he's managed bullpens well. He's managed pitchers well. His players liked him. A lot of really appealing things about him as a manager. I do think one of the reasons why the fan base, many people, not all, there's a lot of people who are on my side here. I think one of the reasons why many people are opposed to A.J. Hinch is because they know what it would bring to the organization. There would be a lot of controversy surrounding it. I'm not going to act like there wouldn't be. There would. I don't know if it would go to the extent where it's impacting the players, but it would be controversial. I think where that stems from is the fact that a lot of people in this fan base have become comfortable with losing. No one roots against you when you lose. No one hates you when you suck. Hiring A.J. Hinch may lead to a lot of controversy. It may lead to a lot of people just downright not liking the Detroit Tigers. But it may also mean getting the best possible manager available, which is what their goal should be. Now, I do need to acknowledge, and I know I said on Twitter that gun to my head, I think Hinch would be the guy. I don't think that will happen. I don't think the Tigers are going to be the ones who are going to want to pull the string on Hinch. My guess is Hinch probably won't get hired until after the 2021 season. I think they'll wait two years before somebody brings him in. After that, I have no clue who it's going to be. I really don't. We've seen a lot of names thrown around there, some appealing names. I think whoever it is, it's going to be somebody who's had coaching experience at the major league level. So I don't think that Mike Rabello is necessarily on the short list right now. That could change very much so. You want someone who's good with the players, you want someone who's well-liked, who's good with the media, but more importantly, you want someone who strategically is solid, who knows how to conduct a lineup, who knows how to use analytics to their advantage. If Don Kelly turns out to be that guy, good, I, I, I hope he is. I think as well, because one thing I've heard, Tony Paul did a really good interview with my friend Justin Spiro where he brought up that Al Avila is a guy who he does listen to to the fan base. I think he has his his ear to the ground when it comes to that stuff. And I think he's aware of the fact that his approval rating right now is not necessarily very high. And I think he may believe that to bring in a manager who reminds people of what was kind of the glory days of Detroit baseball might win him some people back. So it wouldn't surprise me at all to see a Don Kelly or a Marcus Thames brought in as manager. And you know what? I wouldn't be opposed to either one of them. All I want is the best guy for the job. Now, I think A.J. Hinch is the best guy for the job, but if they do interviews with everybody and they determine that Venable or 
Don Kelly or any one of these guys is the best guy available, the o- I'd be fine with it. The only one I am truly against is Lloyd McClendon. And I've, I've been outspoken about how I think Lloyd McClendon is a buffoon. So he's the only one to me that I think is off off the table here. But anybody else, I'm open to it, truly. Just get the best guy available. That's all I care about. Okay, that will do it for today's show. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Tigers. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts. Go to iTunes. Leave a positive review of this show. And also, in the link to my Twitter bio, you will find the link to my YouTube channel. I just did a movie review for the film The Devil All the Time. Very good. Very, very good movie. So please uh, check out those reviews. Subscribe, follow, spread the word. Let me know what you think. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great rest of your day and go Tigers.